You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up, light seekers? You are listening to The Know, where it's not about knowing everything. It's about coming to know ourselves. I'm your hostess, Nikki Spo, and I'm happy you're here and that we are on this journey together of learning, loving, living, and growing, glowing, and knowing. We are doing exactly that today with my guest, Iman Hassan. Iman Hassan is the founder and CEO of IHC Agency, and she's a seasoned leader with over 15 years of experience in luxury lifestyle and communications. Her ability to connect people and create innovative programs and brand synergies has driven the agency's success. Her professional journey began in London, where she later moved to Dubai, and then finally Miami. She has worked with some pretty big-time clients like Aquazura, Goop, Topshop, Intermix, Don Papa Rum, Kobe Carp Architecture, Brickle City Center, Palm Angels, and Hublot. Her portfolio 100% showcases her talent for building brand awareness for her clients. In addition to her professional achievements, Imana has various personal passions, which she practices and advocates for, including modern wellness, biohacking, animal rescue, and plant medicine psychedelic treatments for mental health and personal development. Iman also has a certification in nutrition and wellness from Cornell University. Iman actively champions diversity and philanthropy while advocating for women, refugees, and animals. One of Iman's beliefs is that everyone on this earth should be in service of others. Being true and authentic is at the core of who Iman Hassan is, and Iman wants to speak to women directly and share her truth, her knowledge, and network with like-minded people and build a community. So today, we have the privilege of hearing from Iman and discussing how it's not just a luxury to be able to share our gifts with the world, but it is really our birthright and our duty. And by doing so, we are able to be of the highest service to others. So with that, let's get started. Iman, welcome to The Know, where it's not about knowing everything, but rather it's about coming to know ourselves. I'm really honored to have you share your time with me and my audience today. Nikki, thank you so much for having me. I've admired you for a while in Miami. So when I found out we, I could be a guest on the podcast, I was really excited. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much. So let's get started with your life in London and the sort of like reckoning, if you will, that brought you here to Miami. I know you were in Dubai for a little bit and then you came here. So like, what was that like for you? So a little bit of backstory because people always get confused. I'm originally Pakistani, so I'm South Asian. I was born in Michigan, extremely random. 
Then I lived in Pakistan, Islamabad, which is where I'm from, till I was 12 and moved to London at 12 years old. So I'm now 40. So I lived in London for about 15, 16 years, went to school there. Um, my sister was there at the time as well. So grew up there pretty much and then moved to Dubai in 2009 and then moved to the state. What brought me here? I'm a born American and I was going through a really nasty divorce and I was coming out of it and I moved back to London from Dubai. I was actually separated when I lived in Dubai. When I moved back to London, my mom was like, well, we need to do something different. And I'm like, put us here different. And she said, move to the States. I was like, I've never lived in America ever. You know, the most I've gone to like New York and LA in the summers and seen friends who went to college here. But it's like, I've never lived here. And she's like, I think it's going to be good for you. And at that time, if I really think about it, all I'd really known, I'd grown up in London, kind of a little bit of an overprotective, slightly sheltered environment. I didn't get to move out for college. I lived in central London, went to college with the same kind of kids that went out with those kids I went to school with. So it was kind of a little bit of an elitist bubble, I would call it. And I packed my bags, got out of this really bad divorce. At the same time, my father kind of financially completely cut me off and found myself in my 30s as 30 years old at the time, moving here and having to start life from scratch. And I'd never worked in the States, really. And luckily, it always worked. So I started applying for agencies and doing things and interviewed a bunch of agencies. Only one really resonated with me and I convinced them to hire me. They said, we don't do luxury lifestyle. We do hospitality and spirits. And I convinced them to give me a job. And my boss who hired me that till this day is my mentor. And um, I built a whole division and a team there. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. What? So like, how old were you when you when you got married? So the reason why I'm going to ask these questions, Simon, is because I know that there are so many women listening to this show and they're thinking like, when I hear you say like, I got out of a really nasty divorce and like, you're all the way over there in London and you can feel so helpless, right? Like, like what the hell is happening? You, you mentioned that your dad cut you off financially. So like, there's all of these things happening and like, there's just a lot to, to unpack. And I want to talk about those things because I feel like for the people who are listening that might have gone through any one of those things, like that there's light at the end of the tunnel and there's like hope on the other side of these things. So how old were you when you got married? So I was very young. I got engaged at 21, 22. And it was like almost like a rebellious move against my parents. I was like, I just want to get out of the house. And I thought that in South Asian culture and Pakistani Indian culture, they're like, oh, you get married and you finally get to do whatever you want. I came from a very educated family that was very pro-education, but they still had a mindset, especially my father, about how women should be or how they should function and who they should be. And I was always like a little bit of a rebel who was like, no, I want to march to the beat of my own drum. And I don't yeah. believe in this hierarchy. And I don't believe that women should fit into a mold. So I guess in a way I got married to kind of piss him off because he wasn't very fond of the guys getting married to. Long and short of it, I ended up in a very toxic relationship in my 20s, all my 20s, in a very, very emotionally and physically abusive relationship. Which, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And you know, I said when we jumped on earlier, I never feel bad for that phase of my life because Nikki really made me who I am. Oh, and it that's right. so much and gave me courage. And it gave me courage to be like, I can leave anything. Like I can, I can recreate myself. And so a lot of my childhood friends who I've known for 20, 25 years call me a chameleon that I can adapt to environments and be like, get up and go. And I think you taught me that resilience. And I have this funny saying I always say, I said, my parents gave me just the right amount of trauma in life, but my the same time gave me enough love and self-worth that I have that right balance in me. Yeah. To your point, I was with this man pretty much for my 20s. And then I was like, it's not working. It's a really extremely toxic relationship. When I lived in Dubai, I was actually separated and I was working at um, Bloomingdale's and Harvey Nichols and I was doing marketing and events for them. And I was also a contributing editor at the time to Harper's Bazaar Arabia. 
So it was amazing. It was all the glitz and the glam. And I was so busy. And I was going to event after event after event. And I moved back to London. And my mom's like, and I took three months off work. And she's like, you really need to try something different. So that's how the move here happened. I got engaged at 21. Got married at like 24. The year I turned 25 and got divorced by just before I turned 30. So how did you get into, get your foot in the door of all of these agencies? Well, and like with Bloomingdale's and all the work that you were doing in this like really luxurious space. You know, I believe in the power of manifesting. And now that if I go back and think about my younger self, so I grew up in London and I lived very close to Vogue House in London, Hanover Square. And obviously I'm South Asian. So they're like, you'll become a doctor, you're going to become a lawyer, you're going to become an accountant. I'm going to be one. You did that in the voice. You're going to become a ha, Yeah, that, that. And I'm like, that's really of those things. So I was like, so sorry to disappoint you. So I would walk by, I was like 17, 18 at the time, and I would walk by Grosvenor House from Hanover House and Vogue House when I was younger. And I used to tell my mom, I'm going to work here someday. And she's like, what are you going to do here? I was like, I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. You're like, I'm going to be a shop girl. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> what do you mean? So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tatler Magazine. It's like a vanity fair, but geared towards the UK. It's part of the Condé Nast group. And it's like the socialites and the world and stuff. And lo and behold, I find out that there's an opening for the managing director at the Times assistant went on sabbatical. And she was looking for somebody to come in. And I go to this interview. I'm just about finishing my bachelor's and I was supposed to be moving into a master's, but I wanted to work during my master's program. And I walk into this interview and I sit down with this woman and she's like snow white, green eyes, blonde hair. I would have never thought this woman was Pakistani. Halfway through the conversation, she opens like her mouth and has an accent. I said, Alia, where are you from? And she's like, I thought she might she might have been, if anything, Middle Eastern. She said, no, I'm Pakistani. And she said, I want to hire you. And so I became her assistant while her actual assistant was away. Amazing. That's how I got my foot in the door. So I was at Tatler. And then from there, Vogue.com was just starting all of digital Vogue. It started launching and yeah, you have Vogue yeah. out and all that stuff. So then I moved on to the digital team for a while. And that's kind of how my journey started, really, in the space. Then I worked, like, consulted for retailers such as Masters Fashion. Eventually, I did events in the Middle East that got me picked up and got me a job in the Middle East. And then I moved over to the buy. So, yeah, it kind of all happened by itself. And how does that translate now into, like, what you what you do today with your agency? We're a lot more, like, pure marketing-focused and stuff. But I think my contacts have gone a very long way. The one thing I would tell people, young women listening to this, be very good about making connections. I feel like I've gotten a little lazier now that I'm older, but I was Nikki out and about making contacts, taking numbers, getting to know people. I would not miss a beat. And I think that network is what's carried me through for so long. And it's that network and that drive that I had, growth and expansion and desiring more for myself that really got me everything here. Like, think about it. I got here at like 30 years old, never lived here in my life complete disinherited from my trust fund and was told you have to figure it out on your own and I did I had two contacts in the U.S. at the time I had some like cousins who lived here and there but I didn't have professional contacts I figured it out I put myself out there I was unapologetic and absolutely fearless about what I wanted from my future and who I wanted to be and even now sometimes I do feel like imposter syndrome everybody I feel that at times you know now I've kind of gone down this more health and wellness journey and sometimes I get nervous I'm like oh how do people perceive me but yeah. I was back and self-talk to myself and be like, it's not how you're probably thinking about things. It's not even people how they see you at times. And you have to be sure of what you want. And you right. have to be sure about your goals and everything else will fall into play. I've struggled with that so much. You know, I've really, truly struggled, especially like in the beginning when I started the show. I was like, oh, my gosh, people are going to think that like, oh, I'm just like Eric Spolcher's wife starting a cute little project and like 
people are only going to listen to her because of that. You know, and I had to really work through a lot of that fear yeah. and that identity where I felt like really, really heavily associated with him, for example. And like, do I matter outside of that? Creating a space where I deserve to have a voice and I deserve to be here and I deserve to have these conversations. Not only do I deserve it, but like everybody else deserves to hear this too. Because what we're talking about is really important. But you mentioned something about your connections. And this is something that I've been insecure about throughout my whole life. And so I know that there's got to be other people, other young women out there that are like, might not have grown up with everything. And they're like, I have to I have to make the connections. Like you're saying, it's like, so what's your advice to people on how to do that without coming off as an opportunist? Be inexcusably who you are. Be authentic. Be funny. You know, be the one who cheers people up. Be supportive. Sometimes it's not an exchange. What people are looking for is not even like financial. They want right. a support system. They want somebody who stands by them. They want loyalty. Be genuine with who you are. And by the way, when I say kind, that doesn't always mean like, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry for you. There's also something called tough love. I really believe that. I think it's a cultural thing for me. It's like, I'm a very straight shooter, but I think that is my kindness. Being kind means, do you, do you have room to be there for this person in your life versus the other way around? And also being kind, like recently I cut out a very important friendship out of my life because I'd outgrown the relationship. And this person is relying too much on me for everything. And I thought to myself, we've been friends, we've been best friends for 11 years. I'm not doing you a service by just letting you you know, me being your crutch, I think you need to go out into the universe and figure things out on your own. So that's also kindness. It's wild because I've been on the both on both ends of that, right? I've been the codependent friend and I've also been the friend that has been heavily relied upon. And I know what both feel like. And to be truthful, neither one feels good. Yeah, neither. Like it doesn't feel good for anyone. <laughs> yeah, and you really, doesn't. really need And I feel that my reckoning really came about five years ago, just around the time I started dating my husband. Your current husband. Yeah, yeah, my current husband. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got into plant medicine and psychedelics for therapy and my brain blew up. I was like, oh my God, all this generational trauma, all the things that had me noticing, the journey starts with me. And I think that was the pivotal point in my life because I, in one hand, felt like I had so much authority on my life. And in one hand, I realized, shit, I have no one to blame but myself. You are responsible for how you behave. You are responsible for your actions. You are responsible for your choices. You have a yeah. choice. How are you showing up? Forget the fact that I was in an abusive marriage and stuff. It empowered me, but it, it's, it was hard. It probably brought you to your knees also. like My knees. And same, you know, having a startup. I started this agency three years ago, and obviously it's been a journey, but there have been times that in this company I've been brought to my knees going like, oh my God, like, you're done. coming, or what do I do, or I did this wrong. But that's, I've embraced the journey, and I've learned that there's a metaphor you use. You don't, you want to be like a bamboo that's it's strong and cemented in the ground, but it sways the wind. You have to be able to be flexible because if you're not flexible and you're super rigid, you will snap, you will break. So you have a reputation, Iman, of being like a very sharp businesswoman to the point, get shit done, like no nonsense. For me, just having a, a similar personality in, in that way, I think like I, I, I say it how it is and everything. Like that's not always easy, right? For other people. It is hard to be an alpha woman in a world that doesn't want alpha women to like run rampant. I've had troubles with a very junior team who just be like, wait, and I'm like, guys, like it is what it is. And there being people who've been with us for ages who thrive under that, right? Yeah, sure. I've had troubles with certain clients who just, subjects and male misogynists who do not like a woman, like, you know, giving their opinions. Sometimes I've had like the, the, those, and I've realized 
listen, it's not my circus, not my monkeys. One thing I've realized in business owning an agency, I will tell you the truth. I will tell you what's best for your business, but ultimately, I'll, and I'll put it in writing, ultimately, it is your business. But at the same time, that personality has also sometimes been hard, but that's where authenticity comes in for me. I was like, am I going to lie to you to try to fit right. into a box that I don't belong in? Or am I going to process and see where I could do things better? Or do I just show up as my authentic self and be genuine in the journey and say the right people in the right situations will find us? And they have, you know? But yeah, but you know what? So funny you said that. Their clients and now if they walk into a new business meeting, I can sense the client and be like, this is not going to work. It's so funny because I interview people and I'm like, this is a vibe check. I don't always care what's on your resume. I can tell you within minutes, if that, if this is going to work out. It's just going to work out. Yeah. Yet I'd seen you and I kind of got to know you and stuff. I was like, I like this woman. She has a strong opinion. She gives zero shits what people think. She puts herself out there and that takes courage. And that means she's grounded in herself, right? And listen, we all have ups and downs. Sometimes we're at the high, sometimes we're at the low. We have to always accept that's the journey of life. And we're not always going to be winning. And anybody who tells you they're always winning, they're lying. Well, that's like the problem with social media too. And it's like you work in a marketing agency where everything is like, this yeah. is what you do for a living, right? Whether it's social media or not, everybody's showing the highlight reel of their lives, right? Or their brand or their whatever. Nikki, nobody would have ever thought that I'd been in a place in my life that I probably had like $10 in my bank account because you'd look at me and you'd look at my nice things and stuff. They don't realize a lot. I collected a lot. When I first moved here, I had amazing things because I grew up with a lot of money. My father left me with nothing. The guy was worth $250 million when he died, left me not even with $5, right? He said, you figure this out on your own. And so I've had to really like push myself out there and make it on my own. So people look at me and they're like, Oh, but, you know, she just comes across a bougie not realizing I worked myself from the way down all the way up. My first job was like $45,000 a year when I started. And I was 30 years old. I was like, how do you expect me to live on that at 30 years old? And I worked my way up. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because like for somebody like me that I grew up in a like middle working class family and I didn't have everything, you know, and I've really I've also worked my way up in a way that probably looks a lot differently than yours. Right. But I've also met so many people, people who've come from money, people who've come from nothing. And I feel like people don't like to say they came from money. It's weird. People don't often come right out and say, I grew up with nice things. I grew up with money. I did. I had everything. Like, I think it takes a sense of humility to actually come out and say that and then and then say, and then I was brought and then I was humbled. Yeah. by this experience and I had to learn how to establish a work ethic for myself. Kudos to you for doing that, Iman. Really appreciate you saying that because I didn't know like you were just going to have this like impression. I grew up with everything under the sun. It was taken away from me like that. Luckily, I always worked it out, was really educated, but I was like, uh, what? Overnight, because it was his way or the highway. My father was like, you either told my line or we're done. The concept of freedom from the part of the world I'm also from the, the word means so much more to me than being controlled by anybody through resources. And I said, I'd rather be free and happy than be kind of like stuck to a concept in a life and you're kind of pulling the cords on who I am and I'm going to be miserable inside. And I'll start from the ground up and figure it out as I go. And I'm so glad that I lost everything because it taught me, what do I value now? What do I value? What would I do with my money? I'm not going to go swindle it away on just shopping and things like that. What do I value I value human connection. I value giving back more than anything. I value being in service. For me, what I learned is all being taken away. If you ever get to that extent again, what would you do with your time? What would you do with your money? What would you do for right. people around you? And that's where I am really conscious to surround myself with women, whether it's at work, outside, my personal life, 
to remind me of all those different aspects of that journey. And I can help them in any way I can to get to wherever they need to in their personal goal. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. Something that you touched on is like your sense of freedom and it's not tied. It's almost like a gilded cage is still a cage. Yes. Right? A gilded cage is still a cage. And there's no amount of money in the world that is worth your freedom of your autonomy, your voice, or who you want to be. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Most authentic self. All I'm going to say on that matter is that I can completely relate to that in my own way. And I know firsthand that there's nothing that's worth my autonomy on myself, right? So I love what you said about when you come up to a certain place and then you place a high principle on your things and the material things. It's not even necessarily your fault because maybe that's what you were just accustomed to. But then you have this experience where you're like, okay, now I really know the value of a dollar. I know what it took me to earn all this money. I can see those around me who might not have as much as me. And how can I ultimately be of service, which I know is very passionate. Yeah, a very big passion of yours is living a life of service, that you are here to be in service to others. Let's talk about that a little bit more. We did a mission statement in principle. We're a small company, you know, like a boutique agency. But I did that mission statement and principles for for our agency. And I said, ultimately, we're in service to our clients. What are we doing? We're building founders. We're building brands. I'm in service every single day to this team. If we've had hardship, the first one to take a pay cut is me. The one not to get paid is me. I am in service to the women who come in and trust me to work for me and for me to mentor them and the clients to say, here's our money. You need to build us. Does it always go as planned? No, but you learn some people are better fit than others. But I'm here to be in service to you and humble myself that whatever I'm able to give, I'm able to give of myself freely and to build you, to grow you, to grow your vision. And then that same in-service philosophy. So we decided not to have biological kids and adopt. So out of choice, I spoke to my husband about this as he wasn't that keen on having kids. Anyways, I said, listen, you're not that keen on it. I really, I've never frozen my eggs. I don't want to do this. I think it's a choice. And if I'm going to be a mother, I want in my journey to be in service is to be here for a life that really needs me. And I'm able to be there for them. And everyone goes, well, listen, adopted children are not always grateful. And I said, it's not about their gratitude to me. I'm wow. doing my journey. 
That's really powerful because I think it really equalizes motherhood and motherhood in general is just a thankless role. It's just not. And if there is gratitude, it comes like years later, you know, and I learned a little bit about that, like in my years being an educator is like those kids, I was a tough teacher, you know, and like, you think those kids said thank you for being such a tough teacher? No, but like, it's a wild because I mean, that was years ago. And I have students now that are in college or have graduated college and they still call me by my maiden name. They're like, Miss Sap, man, like, I'll never forget you from being in seventh grade and you were so hard on us, but I really appreciate you taught me work ethic. And it's really similar in motherhood. You know, and I, as you know, I have three kids. You're not a mother for the gratitude. Like you don't adopt, Mm -hmm. like you don't adopt a child to receive gratitude. And it also comes back to, and I had a conversation about this with a friend. Like if you ever feel the need to tell somebody, look at what I've done for you then that is not a true act of service. Underneath that, there's a motive. I believe in like raising awareness, right? Like I love to tell people about the things that I'm doing in the community because I want other people to know that this is an option for them. And I believe in like, I have a platform and I can create awareness. So like, that's my goal with it. But the second somebody feels the need to say, well, look at everything that I've done for you or X or that, but I'm like, what's the motive there? If you're doing it for the gratitude or for the notoriety, then I urge people to question what their intentions truly are. And Exactly what you're saying. Motherhood can be such a thankless job. You're just uh, like a coach in this child's life. You're not allowed yes. to make their for them. You're not allowed to tell them where they're meant to be. You're not allowed to force them. You're there just to give them good guidelines and good values and principles and then set them off into the world and say, this soul is here for their own journey and they're going to make choices that they want to make. And you have to sometimes stand back and be like, that's part of it. Granted, I don't have a child yet, but that is my version and idea when it comes to parenting. And if we adopt somebody and let's say we're adopting a girl. So let's say she turns around and says, well, you're not even my real mom. I know that I did everything in my best capabilities to raise this person. And if that comes and that's part of it, but I'm not doing this for a medal on my back saying like, oh my God, best mom of the year. It's funny that you say all these things because I'm like, She's totally listened to my podcast before because I have spoken about this where I'm like, I view my child as a separate soul from me and I am their guide here. But like I view my kids as like separate souls. They just happen to be in a younger human form. I am no better than them. I am not hierarchically above them. I am their equal. I just have more physical experience in this life than they do. And that's what I have to help them through. And so it's really like very much in line with what you're saying. And it's really exciting to hear that more people, more and more people like yourself are like becoming awake to that reality. And that it's not just reserved for people who don't have kids. Like I have kids and I back you up on that theory. I'm so glad to hear a mom of three kind of back me on this because that that's when my kind of viewpoint. And by the way, talking about like energy and spirituality, like everything is a is a is a hologram as well so there's a very famous book it's called the holographic universe which talks about you attract people and situations and frequencies based on where you are in your energetic field which is why certain people come into your life some stay some don't and it's all about if you're evolving together or not so what's the name of the book the holographic universe universe yeah the holographic universe and your children choose you they choose you whether it's biological or otherwise because your soul has chosen that you're going to give them that experience that they need, trauma, stress, love, whatever it is, to get to accomplish what their soul is here to accomplish. Humility, pain, joy, whatever it is. And so you're going to be giving them that set of trauma and love that's going to get them to where they need to get to. 
And that doesn't mean you'll have a perfect relationship. But when you start looking at parenting and relationships from that angle, you're able to almost trust a bigger plan and be like, I'm not going to carry like being resentful towards this person because I chose this on a very subconscious level. My soul chose this journey. It's wild because I was estranged from my mom for a while. Everybody knows this. I talk about it all the time. And I could not have like a physical relationship with her because I was just like, this is not good for my for my health. And like for a long time, like you're saying, I resented her, right? And like, I'm sure you went through your own journey with your dad, like when he cut you off and all this stuff. And like, when I think back about my life, I'm like, first of all, I forgive her, even though the things that like some other people might think are unforgivable, like I chose to forgive her because me holding on to resentment is like drinking poison for me. It didn't hurt anybody else except myself, yeah. right? And secondly, I, I came to view that like everything that happened in my life made me who I am today, right? Brought me to this specific version of myself. And it's just to your point of that everything is happening for you. Eight days after I found out I was pregnant, my mom passed away. And I thought to myself, I know that this baby is a girl. Yeah. I just know that this baby's a girl. Turns yeah. out it was a girl and her due date was on my mother's birthday. And I'm thinking... I don't know, man. The, the, yeah. the universe is talking to me. She didn't wind up being born on that day. But like, I was just like, this is this is bigger than me. And sometimes when you have karma with relationships and unfinished business from multiple lives they carry on, those cycles keep coming back. Like, I think to myself, don't laugh. And if anybody's listening, they might laugh. I say, I, I was very close to my mom, but we we're also very similar. So we fought like crazy. And my mom passed away last year. I think to myself, I'm like, if this, if my child comes back in the form of my mother, even if it's not biological, because energy and souls, it's not about you know being biological. Right. Totally, I would have the honor of raising my mother with a love that she may not have necessarily received from her mom, and then helping her heal the trauma that she passed out to me, because she tried her best. Yeah, but I'm much more aware that so I would be able to heal her by giving back to her and being in service to her. And helping her complete her journey because I would have much more of a conscious way of parenting. Well, you know, to your point, Iman, I heard something and it really, really stuck with me is that when you heal yourself, you don't just heal yourself and the generations that come after you, but you're actually healing the generations that became came before you, you know? And so like, I choose to believe like that my mom came into this earth, she was her own soul and she was kind of like beaten down by her, the physical world, you know, literally. And she passed all that down to me. And by healing myself and working on myself, I'm healing my sons and my daughter and I'm also like in for what it's worth, I'm healing my mom and my grandmothers and I'm healing their lineage and their line, like my ancestors by being the one to do this work. Yeah. You know, and so, I, I truly, truly believe that. And you're completely right, Nikki. And you will see it in your lightening the burden for your children. So this is a big reason I do. So I've got into plant medicine five years ago because every time you sit like I I'm actually going for an ayahuasca ceremony in two weeks. When you sit in the medicine, you're able to have a subconscious look at your life where you're able to see from a lineage perspective, where the kinks came, where the breaks came, what somebody else's experience and why you should, you know, clear out the path so that future generations don't have to live the same circle and the same pain and the same trauma because yeah. it lives in your Now, there's also science and data to show you that the time that somebody conceives you, if they're going through a certain situation and they're experiencing a certain thing, that gets genetically imprinted onto the fetus. Which is crazy and scary. Yeah, it's, but there's no denying that. But I think we're such great survivors, you and I, of everything we've been through. And here we are, two smart, empowered women sitting across, talking to each other. And we are, for all these women listening, if you don't think you can get out of a situation, a hell you can get out of that situation. You just have to decide to get yeah. out of that situation. And 
I, this is another thing that I don't agree with. I, women are always like, well, I have to be a woman in a man's world. You do not have to be a woman in a man's world. You just have to choose to be a woman. That's it. Wait, that's, that's the mic drop. You don't have to be a woman in a man's world. You just have to choose to be a woman. That's it. Be you. Be except you. Your feminine, except your masculine. Why do we deny parts of ourselves? And this is like, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and the 90s, women were like, oh, we'll I have to be one or the other. And then corporate America came in. Right, right. Chinese and these women are just like, if I can't be a corporate asshole, I'm not going to make it. And we've lost our power. Gain your power back. We have the beauty in us to be both versions of ourselves, to be ourselves, but also be our dominating. And the dance really through life is putting on both of those and swaying from one to the other. Um, and, and if anything, you're not you, you're not damsel in distress, like snap out of it. No one's coming here to rescue you, right? You're rescuing. And especially for me, being a woman who's going to raise a daughter, I want her to be her own warrior. I want her to stand on her own two feet and figure out whatever she wants from life, but at the same time have the softness to still love and be loved and receive love. I am very fiercely independent and my upbringing required me to be, right? Like I didn't have a choice other than to be very fiercely independent. And for a long time, you know, throughout my teens and my 20s, the way that I handled things, I was like, no, I can do it myself. No, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, I, I'm like, I yeah. got it. I got it. So what I did in a way is like I taught people not to be there for me. Need you. Yeah. Right. So it was great. Yes, I had all these tools to be independent and do and be an ass kicker and all this stuff. But my softness was missing, right? Because I was so harsh and I could do everything myself. And I was like, I can be, I don't need a man. So I created an environment. What I attracted was that. I was missing out on my own softness. And it's wonderful now that I've been able to like look at my life and see this is that like, I want to step into the softness part of it. Of course I can do it. I, of course I can do it myself. Like if there's anybody who can get something done, I'm like, it's me and anyone. Like it's us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. But like, now I'm in a part of my life where I'm like, I'm attracting more softness and I'm like, okay, cool. Like I can do it. Doesn't mean I have to do it. Especially yeah. as a mom, like, you know, I have three kids, I own a business and I'm like, wait, no, I don't have to do everything. Yeah. I'm not you going can, to do everything. And you don't need to because you also can just receive. And you can also just sit back and say, I deserve this. I want to receive this. So on that note, like on the deservingness of it, like let's talk about imposter syndrome because I know that it was a hype word for a little bit. And so there was like all these people like, oh, imposter syndrome. Yes, we got it. Like, we, But what? How, how has that shown up for, for you in your life? Listen, it's the more kind of I excel and become more aware for myself as a founder and become more successful on a personal level and on a business level, I feel like, oh my God, is it imposter syndrome? Am I really this person? How do people view me? And I get like fearful and it's because I'm perpetually working on myself. I'm always looking to get better. And so sometimes I'm like, shit, like, you know, is this is this natural to me? Like back in the day, you like, and a lot of my, my managing director here laughs, you know, she's so amazing. I get nervous of public speaking. She's like, you get nervous of public speaking? It's like, yes, it's something I'm working on because I get nervous of like, oh my God, am I going to say the right thing or what are people going to think? Thanks for sharing that vulnerability. Thank you. I, I, I'm not very comfortable and confident. There was a time that I would get even second guess before going on a podcast because I'd be so nervous about- and You're going to oh say something wrong. A guest's going to ask me something and what if I say something wrong? What are people going to think? Like, are they going to judge me? Like, oh my God. And because I have such a strong personality and such a strong sense of like opinions, I can sometimes come across as unconformed. You know, like I say things that are a little people are like, I can't believe she just said that. So it would make me very nervous. And it's something that I'm always working through, getting better at, being better. But I will tell you something. 
nothing made me feel like I have imposter syndrome, like being in the fashion, fashion influencer world. Like I used to go to, I've been to Chanel or Mads. I've sat first row, second row. I've done New York Fashion Week. I've done London Fashion Week. I have never felt like I don't belong somewhere as much as I did when I did that for 15 years. Wow. Because I didn't come in with those girls. Wow. I didn't enjoy it. I would sit at fashion shows and feel like something crawling under my skin. I felt uncomfortable. And it's probably I was at every event and you, everybody, and like there was not an opening in Miami I didn't go to or know people, but I felt Nikki so uncomfortable being in those That's situations. so crazy, right? And you would have never thought it. Right, right. that's the craziness of it. Uh, like I look at New York Fashion Week, I was like, Jomo for missing out. I could not want to go right. there. Right, Jomo. For the people who don't get Jomo, it's the joy of missing out. And I was like, if there's ever a place that I felt irked was when I was around a lot of these influencers. And I felt like I had nothing in common with them. And you know what it goes back to? Authenticity. So a very famous thing that Gabor Majora says is why people are going through this weird mental health and this divide and anxiety and stresses. Because when you're a child, when you look at a child, what is the most fundamental thing for a child is I will be and act out my mannerisms and I will receive, right? It's authenticity. And as a child starts growing, we are taught that unless we act and behave a certain way, we're a good girl Right? we're not going to be loved. So we then learn like, oh, if I'm really my true self, will you still love me? Or right. do I have to put on something to be a good girl and good boy? And then it's that authenticity we've lost as adults. It's that authenticity and true to self nature because we want to be accepted and liked and admired that we lose what it really means to be authentic to you. And I used to feel that because I felt very out of place. And I'm so glad for having those experiences, but it wasn't me for like, I started outgrowing it a very long time ago. Yeah. And I think that's where my discomfort was coming from. It was like, do I really even belong in these rooms? Do I belong with these women? Like, I don't like talking about shoes and handbags and designer clothes. I actually don't give two shits, honestly. I don't care about the creative director. So I have style, but I I couldn't give a damn about this. You know, things, they're things, they're just things. And I like substance and real conversation and people who have a different approach to life and are really doing things in the world. I admire people who are risk takers and doing things that are really meaningful. And so if there's ever a time I felt like a complete imposter and granted, I think it was because I'd outgrown that the circumstances. Totally. Totally. It resonated with. So, you know, it's funny that you bring up like influencers, right? I think from the outside people, you know, it's really funny because sometimes people ask me, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a podcast host. And they're like, you're, you look like an influencer online. And I'm like, yes. I was like, I can see how someone might yes. perceive it that way. Right. And so something that I've come to terms with, you know, is I personally identify as a person of influence, right? Because my thing is like, I, I'm not just trying to sell you things like obviously like newsflash people podcasts survive on advertisements like yeah in case you did not know the only way I make money but like podcasts are free to everybody so listen you can listen to it you get to listen to this amazing conversation for free people the way that I generated income is by advertising so does that make me an influencer I don't know yeah maybe maybe I don't know Person of influence is a beautiful way to say it. But but here's the thing. It's like, I get to choose. I have the luxury of choosing who, what, when, where, why, how I represent, 
right? And they have it has to be completely in line with my brand ethos. And it has to be something that I truly, truly care about. And we have something in common. Well, we seem like we have a lot in common in general, Iman, but like what you're doing with a marketing agency, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're aligning people and brands and connecting their synergy and then putting that out into the world. That's what you do for a living. Does that make you an influencer? Well, I don't know. So it's exactly that. But I think everybody nowadays is a person influenced in some way, shape or form, right? Because we're all of influence firstly, right? It's just how we show up and try to, you know, do that. Sometimes you're a macro or micro, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you might just have a small following, but you're somebody who's very dedicated to your yoga practice and you inspire somebody to get out there and get on their mat and they need it. That's right. That's right. So I don't shy away from that. And I'll tell you another thing. Another place I felt imposter syndrome going into this influencer piece was I'm an agency founder, but I'm associated with being an influencer and I would get very self-conscious of that. Oh my God, what are people going to think? What are clients going to think? That has been my biggest business and revenue drive. I get it. People, all our business, 99.9% is inbound. And I said, you know what? F it. I'm going to go for it. I'm 40, right? So I came into this industry at a time that promoting yourself in the way that I do and talking about stuff and treatments that I do, what I believe in and where I stand wasn't kosher. Was right. not kosher. I get it. And like, sometimes I worked at places and they were like, mm, maybe not. And I said, no. I want to be this person and I'm going to make it a tool for myself, not because I'm trying to put on pretty clothes and just pose for a picture, but because I stand for something yeah. and I'm helping right. women communicate right. values that I have. And how else am I going to reach people and create like community and engagement unless I am- do that. Yeah. Unless I do that. And to be honest, it's been amazing for the business. And I think that like using your voice in that way is just so- important and empowering. I think that the more people, the more women see other women using their voice, the more empowered they are to do so as well. So we have to keep talking. The point the point that I'm making is that we have to keep doing it, Iman. People like you, people like me, we have to keep putting ourselves out there because you never know who's watching you. And if you are impacting, right? We can call it a person of, of impact if that makes everybody feel better. But if it makes you feel better, it's all that matters, right? Like, yeah. The people that you are impacting by being yourself is all that is all that really matters. All that matters. And so it goes back to the fact that we should embrace this. Who cares what people think? Because I'm telling you, for all the people that have negative opinions, there are a lot of women out there whose lives people like women like you and I are also helping to change and helping them have conversation and have courage. A lot of women need to hear because they will compromise their self-respect and their value and stay in different situations they might not want to stay in because they're scared. That's so right. women like us allow other women to be like, I'm going to go figure it out. And we have. Nobody did this for us. Nobody did my journey. It's not like I moved here and my mom was like, here's an apartment. Here's a job. Here. And I was like, uh, what? So you figure it out and you end up just fine. You end up exactly where you're meant to end up. And life will happen for you just as meant to happen for you. And the lessons will be learned along the way and the tears will be shed and you will ugly cry into your pillow at times. That's okay. Part of your dream. Iman, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge with with our listeners. I mean, it's been so inspiring to sit here and just be in your presence. And like, obviously, like we record this um, remotely, but I'm like, I feel like I can feel you from 
just like through the screen. Like that's how powerful your energy is. And it's a really, really beautiful thing to experience. Thank you, Nikki. I'm so honored. And you're right about the energy thing. I think when you're a certain place in your life, you attract other women. And yeah. I just talking to you, we had so much more in common than even before I started. And I'm like, I'm going to message Nikki this and wrap dinner because there's so much strength in a person like you and just being around you, even across like this screen is left me really inspired. Thank you. This is what it's all about, Iman. This is what it's all about. So hopefully our listeners feel that through wherever they're listening. Hopefully they subscribe and, and you know, check out Iman. And uh, Iman, tell us where people can find you. So I'm on Instagram. It's Iman, double, I don't know why. It's double underscore, with double underscore Hassan. And the agency name is IHCH. We love you already. We all, everybody's in love with you. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. We all love you. <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code, the no glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to The No. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams.